It is good to be with you guys this morning. I love to worship with you and and love uh, to be with you this morning. Uh, before I get started on my sermon, I do want to just address something that I know is on our minds and our hearts, and that's the fact that there was another shooting yesterday in Midland, Odessa, and uh, that's especially close to Stacy and I. That's where her family lives, and I've got family out there as well, and so yesterday was uh, spent some checking in, making sure everybody's okay, seeing what's going on. And, and really, I've just got to say, uh, the world we live in, it just seems like every weekend we could be doing something like this because we live in a lost world. And we have an enemy in this world that, want, that came to kill and steal and destroy. And uh, so this morning, I want to pray for those affected by that, cha- by that tragedy but I also want to uh, be reminding us to grasp moments like this to realize the direness of our witness because we're surrounded by lost folks when lost folks act like lost folks and we have the power of Jesus Christ living in us and it's up to us to bring hope to a world where it's hard to find hope sometimes. So we all pray with me. Oh, Father, we uh, just come and and just say, why again, Father? Why the, the loss of innocent life from something as silly as a traffic stop, Father? God, we know there's people today that wake up in a place they never thought they would be when they woke up yesterday morning, that they're hospitalized or they're uh, at a funeral home. God, they're life is forever changed. And so God, really all we can ask for is for your presence to be with them. That you would be with those that lost loved ones, that those that have been injured, you will heal. God, for those that are scarred emotionally, you'll heal that, Father. God, we thank you for law enforcement. We thank you for medical professionals. And yet, God, we just say we don't understand. But God, we know that your son Jesus came to die so that uh, the grave on this side of life would not be the end. So God, in the midst of hopelessness, we proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ. And God, may we have a sense of urgency to share that hope with the world. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, this summer, uh, Stacy and I went, our, went on our first ever cruise. And that in itself is somewhat miraculous. Just what I said that we went on a cruise, you're like, okay, great. But it's miraculous because Stacy gets seasick, and so she's never wanted to go on one. And then it's miraculous on the second hand because I have what some might consider an irrational fear of water, the ocean in particular. And I blame it on movies such as like The Life of Pi, Titanic. And, and it didn't help any that we went up the northeast coast, not far in Nova Scotia from where the Titanic sank. You know, as a kid, I was a little bit interested in the USS, USS Indianapolis that was sunk in World War II. And 311 men survived at sea 
till they were rescued. And one of those men went to the church that I grew up at. And I read his book. And it scarred me to not want to get in a cruise ship. But I toughed it out. And we went on a cruise. And so we took off out of Boston. We were in uh, Holland America Cruise Line on the Zandam ship. And it was this huge ship. You'll see a picture of it there as I got on this ship. I thought, man, this thing is massive. And yet this next picture will show you on the horizon what a ship looks like from afar. And then the next one, when there's nothing at all except the vastness of the ocean. And it was that moment when I was looking out and I could see nothing but water all around me that I feel like the, the Lord gave me this word for this sermon today. Because you see, the vastness of the ocean was all around me. And we, one of the areas that we went when I kind of had this moment was the Gulf of St. Lawrence. And the Gulf of St. Lawrence is the biggest estuary in the world. It's the largest mouth of fresh water and salt water coming together. And you can see there that kind of blip where I'm going to assume that was our boat. And I could see nothing but water. But you pan out a little bit and you can see land more around us. And then you pan out a little bit more and you can see the United States and Canada. And you start going, Chris, where you were was not that much water at all. In fact, if you look at the next picture, you can see just where that little blip was that I felt was so massive and overwhelming. It's just a blip on the earth. Because you see, water covers 71% of the earth's surface and 97% of that is oceans. Now, I can't even grasp this from a math perspective, but there's 320 million cubic miles of ocean on the earth. And so the realization that I had on this cruise was it's a big world and you're a small part of it. It's a big world and you're just one small part of that world. You see, getting out among God's creation allows us to realize our smallness and to realize the power of our creator. You know, I can just get so used to life in the city and, and it's moments like being on the ocean, like, oh yeah, this is a big world. Or when I go to Colorado and I'm in the mountains and I see the beauty and the power of our creator. See in Romans 1 verse 20, it says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. And to me, I was interested in that word play a little bit that's going on here. They can clearly see his invisible qualities. We can clearly see it when we're among nature and we see the grandeur of God and our smallness. We clearly see. You see, but I'm sure this is just my problem. It's probably not something you struggle with. I can get a little bit short-sighted. I can become consumed thinking that my world is all that it's about. 
that it's my job that's the most important or it's my family or it's my health or it's my kids. And I can pretty soon start thinking that the world revolves around me. You know, in the United States, there's over 329 million people. And so it's easy for me in this world to think that the world revolves around the United States, 329 million people, but that's only 4.7% of the world's population. We're really small. And you see, when we look beyond ourselves, we begin to start seeing God differently. Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care about them? You see, I focus on myself so much that when I finally open my eyes and look beside, beyond myself, then I see God. I see, God, you're so powerful. Why would you even care about me? Start to seem differently. And creation and our smallness humbles us. I love that psalm because it talks about the moon and the stars being placed. And when I was on the cruise ship and I'd go out at night and not be able to see anything but hear the ocean and just see the stars. And it humbles me. See, Rick just finished this series on, on uh, being, uh, having our sight again. And when he talked about that, one of the things he talked about was humility. And when we're humbled, when we have that humility, then we start focusing on justice and mercy. The three things that we repeat, justice, mercy, humility. And so I was thinking when I came face to face with just the largeness of God and how small I am, how do I combat that selfishness in my life? How do I keep things in perspective And two things came to my mind, giving and serving. When I focus on giving, when I focus on serving others, it takes the spotlight off of me and it reminds me my place in this world. But we may think, well, we just live here in Fort Worth or in Southlake or in Keller. How do we impact the world? Your giving impacts the world. Just think about this from giving to the Hills Church You planted 17 churches in nine states. You've sent 27 missionaries to 17 countries around the world. And there's at least 25 other countries that you've made a difference in through giving to Made in the Streets or Live Beyond or Let's Start Talking or Christian Relief Fund. At least 25 other countries. See, we may live in a small part of the world, but God has given us through our resources the ability to impact the rest of the world. And when we do that, it opens our eyes. And I know one of the ways that my eyes have been opened through the years is going on mission trips. When I get out of my bubble and I go, it changes me because it lets me see the the largeness of the world and the people that need God. 
One of those places for our family is Haiti. We had the chance to go to Haiti a few few years ago with our family. And one of the boys that we met that we just bonded with is named Farnold. And my daughter Carly uh, and Farnold were talking one day in the back of what we call the jack. It's a truck, a flatbed truck. You can see Carly and Farnold in that picture. And Carly reminded me this was a time in her life where she was griping to her husband about the car she was driving. She wanted a new car. And that day as we're riding around, we actually went to Farnold's house and you can see his house right there. And I don't know that you get much of a grasp of the perspective of that, but it was really, really small. And he shared it with multiple family members. Yet as we're driving around that day, Carly and Farnold are talking and he asked her, Carly, do you have a car? She says, yeah, Farnold, I have a car. And I was in the back of the truck. He he goes, your papa? She said, yeah, he has a car. And your mama? Yeah, she has a car. And Josh was there. And Josh, your husband? Yeah, he has a truck. Carly reached up and pulled her sunglasses down over her eyes as Farnold said, and Caleb, your little brother, does he have a car? He has a car. And Farnold goes, five cars. As tears came down Carly's face at the realization of how blessed we are. Because when we give and when we serve, it enables God to take us out of what we think uh, matters so much to show what really matters in his great big world. Romans 11 verse 34 says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever. And let me point out in this scripture what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that it's from us by our power and for our glory. See, when we open our eyes to creation, we see that everything comes from him, exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. And so it's a big world, and you're a small part of it. But the second thing that I want to share with you today, I've only got a two-point sermon. Rick Chandler told me that wasn't legal to only have two points. But the second point is, as small as you are, God still cares intimately for you. You see, I've spent the first part of this lesson trying to tell you how small you are. And now on the other side, I'm coming in and saying, but as small as you are, God still cares intimately for you. As I was in that vast ocean and realizing just how little I was, I went, but God still knows everything about me. You see, how important are we to God? Let's let Jesus tell us. In Matthew chapter 10, he says, What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now, it may seem an interesting illustration that Jesus is giving as he's talking about sparrows, but even as little as sparrows are, he says, Not one falls to the ground without God knowing it. 
Not one. And then he goes on to talking about our hair and he says, the very number of hair, your hairs are numbered. Now, for some of you, that's not as many as others of you. The number's going down all the time. You know, I'm getting less and less, but in the Hatchet family, this is like Fabio hair. Because in our family, it like you lose it early, right? But Jesus says, God loves you so much. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And it may seem strange to us where he goes next, but he finishes that passage. He says, and you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Man, I don't know that I would encourage you to use that as a romance line for your wife. Or teenagers, I don't know if that would be the the way you want to try to get that next date. But what Jesus is saying, a sparrow is worth so little in the world that not even one drops without God knowing it. And you're more valuable than a whole flock. See, God is crazy about you. And Jesus told us that. But David in the New Old Testament says that as well. Look in verse uh, chapter 139, starting in verse 13. See, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. Can you say that? How how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. You see, This language here that you knit me together. You watched me when I was being formed. See, I know I told you that the world doesn't revolve around you, but in a strange way, in God's eyes, it does revolve around you. He sees you. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If you don't know this, I want you to hear it again. You are God's masterpiece. You may live in a world where you hear different messages. Satan may be whispering in your your ear, telling you're not that valuable. You are God's masterpiece. See, your picture is on his refrigerator. Or if you're like us now, Stacy doesn't want to clutter up the house. So we took the pictures off the refrigerator. So let me try to make it more modern day. Your picture is his wallpaper on your phone. God is crazy about you. He loves you. Yet, as I said, we live in a world where life tells you differently. We live in a world where sometimes we wonder how we're going to get our next breath in how we're going to take our next step. I want to tell you the story of our brother, Stephen Lemons, that felt that way. Stephen was in a few years ago, just a especially dark time in his life. 
things were falling apart at work and at home. And part of that journey for him was an especially tough season with one of his kids. And life was so hard at that point that Stephen even made a plan to take his own life. Now I want you to listen to him tell this story. I can see how a perfect storm had been forming for several months, if not a year or so. If it wasn't work getting knocked out from under me, it was family getting knocked out from under me. It was church getting knocked out from under me. Everything that I held on to, because it's all I knew to hold on to, was getting knocked out from under me. And finally, the last straw for me was when we were informed that a CPS investigation had been opened up. During that time, I, I, Lynn and I were also, believe it or not, in a period of fasting, and I journal when I'm fasting. And I was really in God's face, you know, just saying, if you, and I've still got the emails, if, if, you, if you're all that, then show up. You either are and you can or you're not, and you won't. Which is it? There were many times Lynn and I sat on that sofa praying, and blah, blah, blah is literally all that came out. So here I am worshiping an impersonal God who tells me to call out to him, and I do. And blah, blah, blah is all that comes out. That's when I decided I'm done. So I sent Lynn to Nashville. My plan was just to be done with it the week that she was in Nashville. You know, if God wants to get personal, we've got to get personal. And I, I laid it out. You know, I'm done. That afternoon, on the 5th, my brother, out of nowhere, sends me an email that says when it is not well. And interestingly, that's how that day's email ended. How can I tell God it is well when it's not? And because it was from him, and because of the, the one sentence he put on there, I had to open it. You know, my brother doesn't... He just doesn't do stuff like that. So I opened it, and it was... Uh, that version of it as well. And it immediately pierced my heart. I, I began to see through the fog of where I was, what I had allowed myself to become, how I allowed myself to think, how selfish what my, my plans were. It as well began opening my eyes to the help that was around me. And uh, I began to see God again, maybe more clearly and better than I ever had. But um, he brought us through that, and, and that song is what literally saved my life. But God didn't just seek me out in the storm. He was in the storm with me. So it's okay in church to talk about feeling distant from God. It's okay in church for us to talk about depression and struggling even to find life in each day. And Stephen, in that moment, all he could could pray when he prayed was blah, blah, blah. And yet God heard him. Don't miss in this story, Stephen would send out an email every day during his fast. And that email that day, he ended by saying, I'm not going to act like it's well when it's not. And his brother, who did not receive any of the emails, emails him that very day 
that he was going to take his life. And the email says, when it is not well. You see, Stephen in that moment was able to see God in a way that he hadn't been able to in a long time. And really God was crying out to him and saying, I see you. And it reminds me when I heard that story of Hagar in scripture, she was Sarah's servant and Sarah couldn't get pregnant. And so she told her husband Abraham to take uh, Hagar and to have a baby with her. And so when Hagar got pregnant, Sarah then started treating her badly and ran her away. And she was in the wilderness running away when an angel of the Lord came to her. And he reached out to her and he encouraged her. And he gave her a look into her future, which in a very real way, I would almost consider like getting an email from your brother who usually doesn't email you with a subject line with something that he knew nothing about with a song that was able to provide you hope. And when the angel did that for Hagar, she saw God in a completely different way. And in Genesis 16, verse 13, we read, thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. It's my ultimate desire today when we're talking about how small we are, yet God still sees us. My ultimate desire is for you to be seen today because I don't know what's going on in your life. I know my prayer list of people that I pray for is full of trouble. You may be struggling with depression, with suicidal thoughts, with anger, with loneliness, with disease, with loss. That may be you and and you got here today and you don't even know how you got here, but you got here today because God wants you to know you're not too small to be seen. Or maybe it's people in your family or it's your neighbor, it's somebody that's going through that and you're just crying out to God and maybe you're at a point where you're just crying out, blah, blah, blah. And I want you to know God sees you. And Stephen said when his eyes were open, he could realize all that he had around him. And today we want you to realize that too. So I'm going to pray in just a second and our shepherds and our prayer teams are going to just be all around the room and we're just going to enter into an extended time of worship. I don't want you to feel rushed. I want you to to just be present right where you are. And if the Holy Spirit is moving you to go seek prayer, do that because we need to call on the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you've never confessed his name, if you've never been baptized, then today is the best day to do that because you're fighting a battle in a world that you cannot win without the power of Jesus in your life. So we're just gonna worship. We're just gonna linger and hopefully fill this room with the words of prayer. So will you pray with me, please? Oh, God, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that you are the God who sees me. Even, God, when I may be struggling to see you, that you see me. So, God, I just pray that everybody in this room today will will be seen. will know how crazy you are about them. And won't try to do it on their own, Father.
We know there's nothing off limits with you, God. We can tell you how we feel. We can even let you know when we're doubting. And we cry out right now, Father, see us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.